0: All right. How's everybody doing? Welcome back to You Don't Know Ball episode 52. We're so glad to have you guys back after, honestly, another crazy week of football. You know, I'd say, you know, very unexpected season so far, Hunter. You know, tell me what you're thinking.
1: Yeah, I it's just been like kind of weird the way. Like how the super like the superpowers. Oh, my God, I'm all over the place. How like you see Indiana beat Baltimore. Right, you see Cincinnati just squeak out a win to get their first one in the season over the Rams, and it's like you know, like as midseason comes on, like the real Super Bowl contenders are going to start to show, and like I think we saw that kind of like with the Commanders starting two and zero, and then Buffalo just unloading on them, but it's just like I feel like some of the bad teams that we were really really low on are actually playing a lot better than what we expected. Um, so just kind of with that said. If you want to go into, we can just go into this game, Houston at Jacksonville. Can CJ Stroud break the rookie passing record? Well, as we were saying before
0: the for show, for yards, bro, for
1: yards, yeah. As we were saying
0: before the show, uh, especially with the extra game, as of right now, hey, certainly possible. And CJ Stroud looks amazing, you know. And I'm, as I always saying I'm honest guy. I wasn't necessarily as high on him coming into the season as maybe a few other quarterbacks, you know, rookie quarterbacks, especially, like I said, of all the Ohio State QBs, you know, as of recent, that came out where I was like, okay, he's going to be the guy. Well, we know CJ's the guy. He's breaking the Ohio State curse. that has been, you know, everybody's been saying recently. And it's obviously true. Uh, You know, he's dominating, standing in that pocket. Bless you, bro. Golly. Allergy season. Allergy season hitting different, bro. And no, but jokes aside, look, CJ looks awesome. (laughs) He looks confident, making throws inside the numbers, outside the numbers putting the ball exactly where it needs to be. He's showing you everything you want to see. I mean, you got to love it if you're a Texans fan. Oh my. And on top of it, on top of it, bro. We got to acknowledge uh Tank Dell was an absolute steal. And you know, we knew this yeah. coming. We were we were high on Tank Dell coming in. Uh you know, fell a little farther than we expected. And CJ wanted him directly. I think it's showing, it's showing in the tape, it's showing in the way they have a connection. Uh they they have a real connection going on. Houston, you know, you got to be excited down there
1: in Houston. Uh they definitely got a lot to be excited for. Yeah, so I Was not that big on Stroud either coming out. Not that I wasn't, not that I didn't think he'd be good, but definitely not this fast. Like the way he's come on to the scene has been crazy. And you can tell, like, him and Dell already have a connection. And him going and him telling you, like, Houston to go out and get him, like the fact that he told them to do that or like requested it from them, they did it and it's working. Like, I think, like, favors, um, Stroud a lot and like puts him in a really good light like and also like D'Amico Ryans has done such a great job like building this kind of like culture already in Houston like you can see like the team's identity like you can see the fluidity in how they play Houston has like a bright future with their young playmakers and their defense have been has been impressive I mean their secondary is graded like 10th for coverage by PFF and once they get that front a little bit more right will Anderson I think block that field goal too. like They have some pieces here in Houston and they're overperforming. I feel like a lot of people uh, from what a lot of people thought and you know, Jacksonville has been kind of disappointing in that, in that aspect, but they shouldn't be putting up 37 on Jacksonville. Like that's just whether that's lack of offense from Jacksonville, lack of defense from Jacksonville. It's just been kind of unfortunate. I don't really have much to say on the Jags other than like, they've been playing very uninspiring and like Calvin released, Calvin Ridley has like a case of the drops like he has been dropping a lot. And, you know, I'm honestly unimpressed with their defense, too, against Houston. I, I just don't know. Um, really kind of Jacksonville has to figure out on offense because that is what carried them last year. And, you know, they're strong, you know, where they were strong last year is is really not um, where they're strong this year.
0: Well, OK, well, I'll start with this because absolutely you're spot on uh number one you know we were saying everybody's been saying the whole offseason the Jags had to address the defense they didn't address the defense um not just that another thing I want to talk about is because I was looking this weekend I'm kind of like all right you know let me get let me get a good look at Trayvon Walker let me see how Trayvon Walker's been playing you know let me just let me look myself let me take a look at the numbers from the past couple weeks specifically on certain things like how much pressure he's getting all these other things and it's like and I know they've been moving around a little bit trying new things and honestly Unfortunately, the way it looks, and it's not like I don't think this is really something that has much room to change. It's just the way it's going to be. Aiden Hutchinson was clear in a way the better pick at that spot, and they they passed on him. And now he's dominating on the Lions D-line, and Trayvon Walker is struggling on the Jags D-line. That's uh, number one, I feel like, was kind of like, if you could circle the biggest reason why this is happening right now, it probably falls down to that. You know, they're struggling really on the most important part of the defense. They don't have much depth there right now. And yeah, it is what it is, right? Yeah, they're 29th in pass rush right now. And it's not. And that's where, again, like you said, too, with offense, the Jaguars offense also just been completely uninspiring. I mean, there's not really much consistency going on. The run game is definitely not where you want it to be. Uh, You definitely I mean, we thought T-Law was going to have a huge jump going for like a 5000 yard passing season this year. And uh, where it's at right now, we're definitely not on pace for that. But back to the Texans, because I feel like that's more, you know, I want to talk more about the Texans because. I love where the Texans are at right now, even though obviously we know the record's not competing amazing this year. It's, you know, it's a big work in progress. You know, it's like clay being molded right now, but you got to love the base. The base is definitely what you want to see because again, we said already about CJ, but I want to talk about with D'Amico Ryans. Look, you can, like you said about the identity, you can clearly see this team went from being like, oh yeah, you're supposed to come in and do whatever you want to the Texans. The defense now is going to be like, now, I don't want to say the identity because with CJ, on the other hand, I can't say that on the other side of the ball, but the defense is going to be obviously a much, much just more intense, violent unit. We can see it on the field, the way they're playing uh, there, a lot of the, and a lot of the young players, rookies, uh, you know, going crazy. You got to love to see it. The Texans is a whole unit. Uh, definitely one of the best young units in the league. And again, the record this year is not going to show anything amazing, but you definitely got to love the
1: base of the team and they have a great future. Talking about defense. Let's move into Denver at Miami. How close will Miami come to scoring 70 again this year? I think so. I literally, again, we before the show, we came up with this
0: question. I had a number in my head right away, and I said I was going to save it for the show. Here's my number. The Dolphins are going to go for 55 again at some point this year. I, I don't know why I'm saying 55. It's just the 55's is coming to my head. I'm rolling with it. 55 points, and I don't know who it's going to be against. I don't even want to predict anybody, but well, I'll tell you, 55 is my number, so that's how close they're going to come.
1: They have the Giants and then the Panthers back-to-back after they play the Bills next week. I could see them putting up 55, 60 points on the Giants. I mean, you could argue that Denver has a better core on defense. I mean, they got Kayvon Thibodeau and Dexter Lawrence and everything, but, you know, the secondary is kind of banged up, and I just, I mean, the 49ers put 30 on them. So I could see the Dolphins putting up 55. I guess he's doing to anybody, even it's, it's the point where
0: even if they're a, a better defense than expected, it's the point where the dolphins are going to, their offense is so electric. They yeah. Just need to
1: show up that week and show out. It can happen as we know. I mean, I think this like just makes a stronger case for Tua as like an MVP. And then I also think it makes a stronger case for McDaniels or McDaniel as coach of the year. Um, So the defense is currently graded. And this, this is where I kind of want to point this out. It's like as electric as the offense is like, they're so fast and like, it's so hard to cover them and the way they scheme it up. The defense is great as eighth in the league. Like if they have a top 10 defense and they can put up if they've shown you they can put up 70 points regardless of the team. How do you stop that? And Jalen Ramsey is still coming back.
0: OK, so the first thing I want to get off my chest, because you're spot on. Absolutely was back to the thing about Tua. right? I was having an argument this week with uh, some friends and I was saying how again, when I say this, people get really heated. I don't know why because I'm talking I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about the last right, three weeks. Right. The last three weeks is all I have. I don't know about the future, right? I'm not saying he's him. Let me be clear too, I'm not saying he's him. I'm saying these past three weeks, Tua has been playing like how Drew Brees was playing. And that's how you, I said, remember I said, I said like years ago, Tua at his peak can have to live like how Drew lived. Very high anticipation, incredibly accurate ball placement. It's what he's doing right now. He's living like Drew was living and it's works. It's a, when you're a small quarterback, you got to make it work like that, right? He's making it work like that. Dominant ball placement, breeding the field absolutely perfectly right now. That's what he has to be doing. He's doing it and he's doing it at an MVP level. Like I said, season ended right now, Tua has to be MVP, right? Because the way he's operating this offense is, high, is as high as you can operate it. And I think what I've been hearing a lot of people say recently, it's kind of driving me nuts, is people are saying, oh, and this is what's crazy, too. I just want to remind everybody. The narratives over two has, has been so crazy and ridiculous over the past couple of years. So before, let's review this this timeline I'm, I've been witnessing, bro. The timeline was like, oh, Tua sucks, right? A few years ago, Tua sucks. He's garbage never bounce back. And at the time, he had worst all-line in the league, mid-tier core, and also a coach that had no faith in him. All right, so now we, and then, so now when Tua has a good O line that improved, also mostly homegrown though, a lot of guys that they just developed there that have gotten much better, right? So like the more homegrown O line, and on top of it, and now he has the great receiving core and all these weapons, and everyone's like, oh well, he has all these weapons. He how how is he not gonna? I'm like so so the narrative is either that a quarterback sucks because they have nothing, or when you give them what they need to succeed, and then they start succeeding. Oh well, how could he not succeed? Like these narratives have got to stop. When a dude is playing good football, they need to be acknowledged playing good football. There are too many people nowadays that I think are way too. They they are not happy if they did, if they weren't absolutely right about everything. And you got to be able to admit when you were wrong. Look, yeah. a lot of y'all were wrong about Tua, and it's fine. Right. Hey, I've said some things about two in the past. I'm sure that we're like not 100 percent accurate. But one thing I was adamant on, you can't knock the man out yet, even when it was at his worst, because we knew what he could do. And the way the situation was working was just absolutely not in his favor. And it's like that for a lot of guys. But two specifically would still show you a plenty of flashes that you like. And again, here we are now and it is what it is. But it's just a, it's just a reminder, you know?
1: Yeah. So kind of going into Denver because they had a hand in like their defense has been horrible this year. Terrible. And, and it showed against Miami. Um I just want to point out like the Broncos offense like does not look terrible. Like they're 11th in points per play in the league. So like they're not they're still producing. It's just like these this defense is so bad. And like that's the worst. That's the most frustrating thing is like the players they have on defense aren't horrible. They're not horrible. No, but that's what makes it so, so like, concerned. They're so they're underperforming. And I guess my thing is like. What like? What do you do? Like, do you get and do you promote somebody else to be DC? Do you have someone else call the plays? Like, I don't. I really don't get it because the offense is fine. The defense needs to improve. But like, in in my opinion, because you get beat so bad, and after the comments Peyton made about Hackett, Sean Payton has to capitalize against a horrible Chicago team this upcoming week. And if he doesn't, I I don't know. I don't know what happens. I mean, it has to. It, it would be hell in Denver that day, dude. He he, literally. I, I mean, we say this
0: facetiously a lot of times, like, "Oh, they can't," or "He can't." No, no, no. This really, truly is a situation where he cannot have that team walk in there and not be ready to execute the game plan. Because if that, even even if it's a shaky game, like you said, the media, the faith in the team, the faith in it's his over. leadership is going to be very questioned. And again, he put himself in this position with what he was saying in the offseason. We already acknowledged this. We touched on this plenty of times. Uh, something I want to say real quick, too, is, again, we talk about the defense. I mean, they're playing terrible. No sacks. No sacks. They put 70 points up and you didn't get to the QB once. It's pitiful. There's uh, there's no words. I mean, it's 70 points. I think there's no words to begin with. Not even get to the QB once. It's just this defense is a mess. And to your point, main thing, and we'll, we'll move on for this. But they have a lot of very good players on defense. I yeah. mean, when you have Pats retain on defense, there's no excuse to be allowing 70 points. Even that's just one player. They have plenty of guys that can hold their own. The bottom line is, yeah, get it together over there in Denver. Because this, especially for how much I was gassing Sean Payton, he's making me look like a jackass over here. You know, it's like, he's already, get it together over there in Denver, boys. Man, this is the top of worst case scenario. It's definitely what's going on in Denver right now.
1: Moving into Indiana at Baltimore. What is your updated record prediction for the Colts? Can I go? Let's go seven to ten. You know, I was going to say seven and 10 as well. I, six and 11, seven and 10. Anywhere from like six to eight wins. Oh, they're scrappy for sure, though. It's like we're going to give some love where it's due. Like, I'll let you start with this. Yeah. I just think like also like the Colts were so like ridden with dysfunction last year that you Man. really forgot that they actually had some nice pieces on their team. And you get good coaching in there. You get a rich and then a great backup in Gardner Minshew. And they're in every game. They're in every game they play. So anytime it's a close game, they can win. And this what I will say is like their defense legit. They're cre- They're causing havoc for good teams. Like even like they're causing havoc for the for the Ravens. Um, Their receiving core, I think, is much better than people give them credit for. And Minshew, I, like I said, might be one of the best backups in the league. And then, just last kind of, kind of thing I want to say on the Colts is that the team can be nasty in another year. Like, if they develop a rich, right? He stays healthy. They add some pieces in the draft. They develop the players they drafted this year. Their special teams was great, too. And we made a joke, but Matt Gay was worth the money. <laughs> we, we, hey, no, again, we, you know, we right our wrongs. So we got to give a
0: shout to Matt Gay, right? Look. Uh, So, again, I think I want to start with the Colts because, again, you you love when a team's surprising, right? I think what I want to start with is Zach Moss coming in and just kind of like churning through the ground. And, you know, what makes this so odd is, you know, in Buffalo, this was certainly not the case. He comes over here, you know, running crazy behind this Colts O line, you know. Back to how, you know, as we've been saying, it's been the case forever, like situations for running backs or everything is same with quarterbacks and with anything. Situations is everything in the NFL. Here we go. With Zach Moss, he's in a great situation. You got to love to see it. You know, he's making most of the opportunity. And then again, we know this was the best thing, the best case scenario for us to see was, and we are you know, I don't know if anybody watching is OG enough to remember Minshew mania a couple <laughs> years ago, but Minshew mania is a real thing. And again, we're, you know, he, fun enough, but not just the fun. It's not just the fun. He makes enough plays makes yeah. enough good decisions, has enough, you know, has enough of an arm where you're like, okay, yeah, again, this guy at the least is one of the best backups in the league, if not the best backup in the league. You've got to love to have a guy like that on the roster. And it shows my thing that I was getting at is seeing him play, again, very just consistent football, for, like operating the offense. You love to see it because it's like, all right, when A-Rich comes back, we're going to have, we already knew this, but good continuity. You know, when, a- yeah. when, when Gardner Mitchell could come in, we could still win a game against a good opponent. You love to see the team was ready to show up, ready to execute. Gives me a lot of faith for I already had plenty, but in the this, this future of a Richie's development, which is perfect for our narratives. But and then back over to the Ravens, I guess, you know, I'm sure this one stinks a lot for Ravens fans. This is kind of one of those ones that's going to be really tough to swallow kind of thing. But on the other hand, it's like this. And I'm going to say this for a few other teams today. I don't think this is like a, a defining moment for this team. I think this is more just like a really bad fork in the road and they'll get around it, though. You know, like a yeah. bump in the road, tough week. But, and again, against a team that was also, as we saw, very critically underrated, obviously. And we were one of the people that are critically underrating them. Shane Steichen has them ready to play. They're showing up. And, you know, the Ravens will bounce back.
1: Yeah, so my thing, just quickly on the Ravens, is I think their defense looked awesome. And the way they used Kyle Hamilton to blitz and blow up the backfield was so cool. He was was game-wrecking. Like, he was making plays all the time. So the Ravens' defense, the more and more they gel and go on through the season, like, they're going to be... They're definitely a top five unit, in my opinion. And the offense, like we've said, it just looks so fluid. Lamar has played amazing scrambling only when he needs to. And he does need to hold on to the football, though. Like there was a couple of fumbles in there that, you know, that 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 was a big theme of this week. I think as we get through the games is like ball security. There is a lot definitely. of lack of ball security early on uh, this year. But Lamar was worth like if you watch this game, it's like Lamar's worth like every single dollar they paid him. And I would like to see them take like a couple more shots downfield though. Like, because they only took two shots past 20 yards and Lamar has a great arm. I oh, was so and he got Zay flowers. For you, a yeah. You have a burner. So I don't know. Like I think this game, this game was actually a very, very good game, even though it wasn't super high scoring. And, um, you know, honestly, like if I'm the Ravens, like if I'm Ravens fans, I'm not discouraged by this game. like, this is one of those games where both teams come away and like you're encouraged by what you saw. No, and I was gonna say too.
0: So, last thing, just cause I almost forgot, I had to, you know, look, look, Kyle Hamilton victory lap per se. You know, when I was saying he's one of the best stages in the last season, I like people were saying, cause I had him at number two. Everyone said I was, you know, basically they've said very mean things about me. But <laughs> I say, Kyle Hamilton showing up, he's showing you, look, Kyle Hamilton's gonna be a beast for a long time. And number two, a defae OE on the D line, yeah. really making a big jump this year. If you're a Ravens fan, you'd love to
1: see that. You need your pass rushers, man, and he's dominating. So, all right. Moving into Dallas at Arizona, how much will the loss of Trayvon Diggs affect the defense? See, after a week like last week, it's kind of like
0: where it's like, we're OK, it's tough to evaluate because it's like it was just such a weird week where I again, it's like, OK, because here's my thing. The Cardinals, more than anything, just ran the ball really well, ran the clock on them. I mean, it's like they didn't pass for over 20 yards, 189 yards touchdown. Again, four completions, very effective day. Don't get me wrong, very effective day. Josh Dobbs got the, you know, he got the job done for sure. Um, but it's like, this is not one of those games where I'm going to look at it and be like, oh, the defense, you know, completely shit the bed. I think if on the other hand, it's like, okay, the offense completely had a very rough day on the other, you know, and, and they were making very crucial mistakes and that's what's going to sell you. And it's like, that's just how I'm going to look at this game. So I think what I'm going to say is, yes, missing Trayvon Diggs is definitely going to be a big punch to the defense, but not something that they absolutely can't recover from. Not, not something... Let be clear, not something that should change the trage- trajectory that the belief around Cowboys fans and the team should still be a Super Bowl birth and victory. I'm not saying that that's gonna, like, a certainty or guarantee would be absolutely clear, but I'm saying that still is the goal of this team. Yeah. This is not something that takes away from Oh, you know, like, oh, we can't be a Super Bowl team anymore. No, absolutely not. Huge loss, but good teams, very good teams as the Cowboys have. Are you supposed to believe at least that you have enough, you know, moxie enough outside of that that you can recover from this? And I do believe that's the case.
1: Yeah. So. I think the defense was kind of just unimpressive this game after like all the praise we gave to uh, Quinn, Dan Quinn. And it was just like, like you were saying, like, I don't know if they're adjusting to like digs, like being out, but for a team like the Cardinals, like you should be getting in the backfield like a lot of the time and they weren't. And this is what I will say. It looks like they played down to their competition. And that is really my issue that I had with the Cowboys this game is. And also, again, I think they need like a like a big back to get those short yardage situations, like unless they're going to keep using the fullback like they don't have that. And the last thing I'll say is, like, I understand there are injuries to the offensive line, but the Cowboys offense needed to be better this game like this is an Arizona defense that is. Na- name me players on the defense besides Bud baker i was saying you know garden been playing really Gardner, well this year. Yeah. Said, there's, a,
0: there's a few guys that are playing above standard but i agree completely where it's like you got to show up and you got at least got to right, make you gotta
1: it smoke the cardinals at least if you're gonna lose the cards you had to make it a possession game yeah two possessions this a. this was bad this was bad um just moving on to arizona i just want to say shout out to the cardinals O line like the amount of times like that dobbs had to throw and how the Cardinals ran the ball was impressive, especially against the Cowboys. And for the situation that Dobbs has been put in, he's played like a lot better than expected. Um, And and just to finish up on the Cardinals really quick, their defense plays incredibly hard. It's a really good sign for a first-year head coach that the effort is this crazy. And even when the talent isn't there, like you can feel that culture shift. And the Cardinals' schedule after this is extremely tough, but with the way they played today... I think they can squeeze out a couple more wins.
0: So wait, no, what you're saying is like what you're saying is the fire in the gut, the fire got them, got them fired up. Did they ride the bus yo,
1: or did they drive to work? That's fucking crazy. Riding the bus got them boys gassed up. They hey, rode if you're the out bus. In Arizona,
0: you got to love to see it, man.
1: They rode the bus. But yeah. So do you have anything else you want to say on the Cardinals? Or should we I'll move say on we're on to ready to move on, on to the next. One. Moving into Atlanta at Detroit. Do the Lions have one of the best run defenses in the league? Lions fans no, absolutely. And against you know what you gotta love if you're a Lions fan is this
0: hasn't just been against like teams that are just kind of like using more of a committee bat well, well, actually I'm going phrase. I guess I can't say exactly. They they some of them are, but there's always at least one star running back on that roster in the case of the Falcons. And you get my point. There's always there's always stars that they've been playing against and if you consider Pacheco a star after last year too it's kind of that's kind of I guess depending on how you want to view that but you get my point running backs that have proven they can run the damn ball go over 100 yards and the Lions are definitely playing very elite run defense on all these guys they're filling the gaps perfectly and again from what we were seeing last year the jump that we're seeing this year oh man you got to love to see it the young guys making the jumps like Ali McNeil Hutch you know the D line is just it's just you love to see it if you're a Lions fan. And you love to see it if you're like me and your narrative was that the Lions were going to make a huge jump, you know, and you too. It's kind of like, well, the Lions are filling out the narrative, kind of how we saw it coming, I guess. Yeah. i admit though, the D line does look better than I thought it was going to look this year.
1: Yeah. So I guess my thing too is with the defense, like it, here was my biggest surprise. Like in my opinion, like the Atlanta offense really lives and dies by the rushing game. And to be able to shut down a team like Atlanta in the rushing game. I mean, like what th- they held them to 44 yards, like 44 yards with one of the from one of the best rushing teams in the NFL like that to me is great. So I'm I'm trying to pull up the um, rushing defense. And yeah, they are currently fifth in yards allowed per game for rushing like that. Is top five. So, you know, you let's see where they're at passing. Let's see where they're at passing.
0: Passing.
1: They're more middle of the pack. Yeah, I'd say right in that middle. You know, a little lower middle of the pack. But at the end of the day, like that's a huge improvement. Like super, super cool to see. Um, another thing also is they made Ritter play quarterback. And I feel like this is gonna be a theme we see. Like the total Atlanta offense was only 183 yards. And if they can be a top 10. Top 15 defense that's really all they need. Um, so basically on the other side of things on the offense is you know their offense is going to score every week and Laporta again is proving that he legit elite elite realistically could be top 10 by the end of the year elite he already is elite 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 siren elite elite <laughs> If the lions keep improving on defense and stay efficient on offense, plus they get JMO back. They're a top team in the NFC. They That's already crazy. are, I keep in my forgetting. Opinion.
0: Whenever I'm watching, I'm like, oh my goodness, wait a minute. This offense is about to get way more cooked in a good way. I get cooked is the wrong word, but they're going to be cooking way more.
1: Yeah. Um, moving over to Atlanta just quickly. They have to find a solution at quarterback. It's just like this offense could be so explosive and it's not. They were four for 12 on passes over 10 plus yards. You can't have this when you have London and Pitts. Teams are going to stop or start selling out to stop the run, which I think is what Detroit did. And it crippled the offense. It crippled them. Um, Their defense was okay against the run, but they they're going to struggle against like high flying offenses. Like they really are. And they're lucky because I looked at their schedule and they do not play many explosive offenses. But uh, just if you got to, if you're not going to have a great defense, like your offense needs to operate in two, two different games. Um and basically all I was saying is like their rushing offense got shut down and they look like a different team so they got to figure it out. So bro, this, this game couldn't have come on better
0: timing because like we were just saying last week, it's like you know, uh, and it, I wasn't saying this about the Falcons. I said about another team. I think it was the Vikings, but it was about last year. But like when you're getting by on something, you know, you're gonna get exposed soon enough. Yeah, yeah. The Falcons were getting by, like you said, on this, and they're gonna keep getting by on it when it's the time when they can just run the ball through the clock. They're gonna get by on it. But when, when Desmond Ritter's got to make shots, right? And again, this was the game where there was a couple shots, gimmies. Yeah. Gimmies. And you missed. need to have them. You need to have them. To Kate Pitts, especially, man, tough, tough. And again, it's from a fan base perspective. Falcons fans would be the first to say, you know, it's like this is the type of thing that's the hardest to watch where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we have everything else we need and we need a guy that's going to make the shot. And we, you know, you've seen this. You, and you got the guy, he can't make the shot, he cannot make the downfield shots. And uh, yeah, it's going to be, again, hasn't been like a huge narrative yet because we're still early in the season. The Falcons being more successful, it looks like on the upward trend is still relatively new. But oh, the discussions will start soon. You know, like how desperately the Falcons need
1: a quarterback. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. And Justin Fields will be there shortly enough. Moving in (laughs) to Los Angeles Chargers at Minnesota. Should the Vikings trade Kirk Cousins? We've been talking about this for quite a while now. Oh, bro. Like, let me just be rigid and and I'll let you go after this, but let me be rigid. If they don't
0: find a way to get the trigger pulled by the deadline, I think it does very much in a sense dictate the future of this team positively or negatively in in every sense where it's like, again, let me be clear, Viking fans probably get ready to lose it on me, but Kirk Cousins is an amazing quarterback right now, right? He's a great quarterback right now. Yeah, he's that's on, hot, on because,
1: pace to throw for 6,000 yards. Right? This is not hate
0: on Kirk Cousins. Maybe amazing is a little too much praise, but he's playing at a great level right now. i will leave it at that. So it's nothing to do with Kirk. That's due to the fact that the Vikings built the roster the wrong way. And you can't keep building around a 35, 36-year-old guy who's going to be 37 soon or whatever, 37 in the near future. You get my point. It just does not work. He's going to be and the point where anything is, he's leaning towards 40 and they have still have plenty of things you need to figure out. Building around Kirk is obviously not the move. Everyone knows this It's being realistic. And again, like I have even said, best case scenario is what you make a deep run or even in best case, best case, go all the way with Kirk somehow, some way in the next couple of years. OK, and then he's old and you have to restart with the whole base of team that needs. It just does not work. It does not work. And that's the most blessed best case scenario. They need to start the rebuild basically now. And the best year to do it is now. Yeah, it's like, get it out the way. Stop hesitating. You were 0-3 when your offense is playing at its best level. It's it's a sign. You talk about a sign from
1: the universe. Like, this is that sign to the whole Vikings organization. And that's the thing is, like, they've been, like, going back and forth with this. Like, oh, should we rebuild? Like, they're in a competitive rebuild. But the thing with the competitive rebuilds are you're never bad enough to get the top players in the draft. And the issue is also another reason they're 0-3 is because they've given the ball away on an average three times a game nine turnovers through three weeks. That is the reason they are 0-3. Like we were talking about ball security. They've only taken the ball away twice. So it's a negative seven point turnover differential. This is why they lost the game. The offense is the only reason they stay in games. Defense has been bad. It has been bad. Kirk is playing well. The O-line is surprised considering all the injuries. Um, But the Vikings, at the end of the day, are by far the best of the 0-3 teams. And you should see the record correct itself some point in the season, but they're going to be consistently in shootouts because they can't create turnovers and they're giving it over and they're allowing 40% conversions on three on third down, like 40% of the time the other team's converting. So I don't know. Like, I honestly think like the chargers got saved this game. Like it wasn't like a good win for either team. That's the thing is like, even though the chargers got the win, it was not like a great win. Um, their offense continued to look great. Mike Williams going out is going to hurt them a lot, but the run game wasn't existent. It it could be a mix of things like not having Eckler, you know, the Vikings selling out to stop to run, doing to getting stomped on by the Eagles last week. But I don't know. You got to get a run game because in my opinion, like what Herbert did today, like Herbert, I just want to give props. I not, I've not been a hater on Herbert but just like have questioned like his elite abilities. He's playing amazing right now. At, Keenan Allen had a great day and I hope Quentin Johnson can step up. Um the defense played better, uh but there's still improvements to be made. They're fifth most amount in points scored uh, or points allowed. Um which is going to kill this team because they're sixth most their their offense is like sixth in points scored. So similar to kind of what we were talking about or what we'll talk about with the Seahawks um, but overall, the team is progressing. The defense, in my opinion, has to be top fifteen for Staley to keep his job. Like, why are you defensive head coach and your defense sucks? So, yeah, no.
0: This either way, uh, I guess I'm gonna start with that and just get over that quickly. Yeah this this does not in any way reinvigorate the uh, keep Staley around wagon yeah. on the other. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, no, no. We're just gonna start with that. Um, because again, they almost folded the game. And uh, side note, but I'm sure Chargers fans are just feeling very much how, uh you know, and I guess we'll touch on this later again for you know, respect to how Saints fans are feeling at this point, man, they just cannot play one. It's just like a game where it's just, oh, this is just good flow where, you know, we play good flow, start to finish. Like there's always going to be some there's always there's always like in a Chargers game. There's just it's just, there's always some crazy moments, right? Yeah, and it's just getting out of hand at this point, but it's just, it's just funny. Um, But yeah, OK, jokes aside, I do think Quentin Johnson is going to step in and play a lot better than he, he hasn't been getting too many opportunities you know you're looking at the numbers you're like come on let's you know let's see uh someone who's drafted so highly so highly touted coming out let's see let's see him get some more targets let's see him get some opportunities i think that's what we're gonna start seeing and then yeah uh with the chargers defense i guess what i want to say main thing is if you're a chargers you know Chargers fan you gotta love seeing kenneth murray finally make a big play because he's been struggling for a while now uh for a special where he's drafted he's never really lived up to that see him make a big play maybe turn the season around but yeah, I agree with you. Chargers defense, all in all, though, still. And also, Thule making a play, a rookie. You love to see that getting a sack, getting in the backfield. It's just, but all in all, this defense, you know, they had a good day getting to the quarterback, but again, still, all in all, underwhelming unit. You want to see them start really, really playing with an identity, and they still haven't really started doing that yet. Team's still struggling. Uh, and like you said against the Vikings, who, yes, best um, team that is terrible, right? Like that best team that yeah. is not playing well. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, the Vikings still have things. That, that's the point. Is you still have things you hold on to. You still have good pieces to build around once you get rid of Kirk. But like you said, if you keep hanging around in this middle of the pack territory, because even if they kept, let's see, they keep Kirk all year, they'll get enough wins where I don't think they'll be top, even five pick. They'd be, you know, whatever, whatever. 10 to 15. Right, 10 to 15, seven days. Don't make seven the playoffs. But yeah, nothing we're going to no. very likely at least be able to grab the future of the franchise. 100% certain. Where yep. you're Like, I'm very confident in the future of this being the guy.
1: All right, let's move into Buffalo at Washington. Are the Man. Is the Bills defense underrated? So, yeah, I say my thing on this is like they're underrated
0: because you haven't really heard anyone talking about them. No. And you need to because at this point, and again, okay, let, let's be clear. You know, Sam Howell, obviously, you know, Maybe including we didn't we didn't even jump the gun. We just asked questions, but I think maybe some people, including a lot of Commander fans, maybe jumped the gun a little bit with the expectations. You know, Sam, how you know this is back to reality game. The four receptions and no touchdowns, very rough. But again. This is against the Bills defense who needs to be talked about more. This defense is absolutely dominating. I don't remember the exact statistic, but the it's like something about either the number of touchdowns they've allowed or the touchdowns allowing a game is just like, it's it's just incredibly low at the moment. I don't, again, I don't remember the exact statistic. I won't say if I don't remember it. But the point is, they are allowing very little people getting in the end zone. It's a very very tough time to get in the end zone against the Bills. And more than just that, um, on top of the whole thing is it's like, Josh Allen didn't play a spectacular game either, right? I mean, when you're putting up 37 points, when Josh Allen is 218 yards, a touchdown, an interception, and, you know, the completion percentage, nothing crazy. You got to love it. And I know they were churning out time, churning out a lot of rushes. Bottom line is, though, this defense is absolutely electric unit, and they are not getting enough tension right now. Pass rush is much improved this year. Everything about this defense is much improved.
1: Yeah, I mean, the defense, in my opinion, is it's an elite unit, and they're flying around making plays. I really don't have much to say. It's just like if they can keep this up, like the Bills, Again, should be contending for a Super Bowl. Like the Bills, I feel like just need to get over the hump and at least get into the bowl. And I'd like to see that where that played out. And like their offense was extremely balanced. They had 33 run plays, 32 pass plays, like runs in terms of like some of the runs were from Josh Allen. They may have been pass plays that turned into runs, but he only threw for 218 yards. And but they ran as 168 as a team. Like the Bills being able to add like a run game to their offense, which is something they haven't been able to do. The last couple of years is very crucial in my opinion. It keeps teams on their toes and they can't just sell out to stop the pass. Um, but at the end of the day, like the Bills are contenders and like Allen and Diggs are on, they haven't lost a step. So it's it's kind of like the same old Bills, but kind of like building on everything that they've been working for the last couple of years. Um, just to briefly go over Washington, like I think they really showed like kind of who they are actually are as a team like this year. Like they got checked by an elite unit and You know, they can compete with the mid-tier teams and they can outscore them because of their offense. But as a team, they're just not ready to make that jump yet into like that next tier. Um, The offense was mostly horrible. I mean, they were one, one for nine on third down conversions. Howell had four interceptions. It really put this game away. I mean, you can't have four interceptions against an elite offense like you know what I'm saying? Like you can't give the ball to an elite offense that many times. Like they're gonna they're gonna shut you out. And you know the only really highlight on offense ha- has to be B Rob. Um, he had 70 yards on 10 carries, and he's been good like pretty much every game this year. So it's nice to see him really get in his groove. Um, but they turned the ball over five times to the Bills, so you're you're not gonna win like that. And despite the score, the defense honestly didn't play terrible. I mean, they were the Bills were nine for 15 on third down conversions, but. The Bills had 10 more minutes, 10 more, the ball, they had the ball for 10 more minutes than the commander. So if you're constantly putting your defense on the field versus an elite offense, they're they're bound to score. Like So, and no, and last
0: thing I want to say on this, but because I was very high on him coming into the year, I think a lot of people were, especially, you know, if you had him in dynasty fantasy, like uh, me right here, but, you know, Jahan Dotson was saying he was going to have a big breakout. He's calling himself. And I would say not, not necessarily regression from last year, but man, Jahan Dotson is struggling to get going. So if you're a commanders fan, you definitely want to see that change soon. Well, oh, you know, or any if you have them in fantasy, though.
1: So. Yeah, yeah. Moving into Carolina at Seattle. Does Seattle have one of the best offenses in the league? Oh, absolutely.
0: And uh, again, uh, JSN has not even really stepped up or shown anything crazy yet by any means. So there's still room for improvement on this unit, right? Uh, but yeah, all in all, again, Seahawks are definitely, definitely one of the better offenses in the league. You know, what happened week one, tough, but I think it was more just, uh, you know, Week one, you never really know what's going to happen. We've seen good teams have terrible week ones. It can happen to the best of them. And uh, this was, I think that was one of those. I think we're going to see pretty consistently from here on out. Seahawks are not going to put up 13 points. I think the Seahawks are going to keep putting up above 20, 25 every week. And you're going to see that pretty consistently because, again, they have so many weapons, so much going on, and uh, the run game's getting going as well. The Seahawks offense is definitely an elite unit. I'd say also DK Metcalf. We were talking the last week. DK has been going absolutely crazy. this Yeah. Year, so.
1: I think DK really took that step this year. I think the people were waiting on him, uh, but the, you know, they remain high scoring. The run game was great. Um, Kenneth Walker shined. They did a really good job spreading the ball around, although they always scored like three touchdowns, putting your kicker in position to get five field goals, which basically adds two touchdowns is like good enough. In my opinion, if you're going to put up 37 points um, overall, like the defense, they're bad. Like they allowed 400 yards of offense to the Panthers. They're tied for third most in yards allowed fourth in points allowed, but the offense is fourth in points scored. So unless there's an improvement, it's going to be tight games all year because their defense can, just can't stop anyone and they're just hampered by a bad defense. And you know, you're going to have to at the end of the day, rely on Geno Smith in shootouts. Um, just going over to Carolina. The offense functions better with the vet. And the O-line looks like it t- took a step back, which is bad because that was like the bright spot last year. Um, If Dalton played, they would have more wins this year, but they need to develop Bryce young. And like that, I guess is really the, like the struggle of this team is like, how bad actually are they? Is it like a rookie QB or is it everything else? And I think it, for the most part, is a lot of things, not just Bryce Young. Right. Um, but Miles Sanders, 2.7 yards per carry. The run game is bad. Like, what? it is bad.
0: Again, back to them signing him in the first place. Why? Like, what Why? Was the money? What?
1: Thielen? I don't know what the fuck is happening with Thielen. He's just eating up every target. 11 catches, 145 yards on a touchdown. Man's just playing like prime self. What is going on Bro, with this dude, man? He's so slow still. That's what's so funny about um, it. I think it's just the Seahawks bad. Yeah, so the Seahawks had him looking like a uh, fucking prime Adam Thielen, Justin, Je- Justin Jefferson out there. Um, but the defense, you know, was actually pretty stout. Um, they held the Seahawks to three for 13 on third down. They got two sacks and an interception um, allowing the Seahawks though, to get into field goal range multiple times is really what killed them. Like that bend don't break. Uh, but all, all, all in all, like, Carolina is a team that's struggling to find an identity and losing key pieces on defense is not good. Like um, J.C. Horne, Shaq Thompson, um, the O-line regressed. Frank Wright's offense looks better run by Andy Dalton. And it's like, that's not a good sign for Bryce Young. I feel like it's to be expected right now, especially after last year. Like I'm going to Andy
0: Dalton came in, you know, he's playing a lot better in the Saints offense than i had expected. Like I think. He's also just kind of in that veteran groove in his career. Yeah. Like, to me, an offense with it's very simple to operate, you know, like, not a lot, nothing crazy, which is how it is right now. And it's like, I'm going to get the job done. Yeah. You know, but I do agree. You want to see Bryce start to make a few more splash plays a week.
1: Yeah. Do you have anything else to say on the Panthers or do you want to move on? Not done this week. Move on to the next one. All right. Let's move on to Chicago at Kansas City. (sighs) Are the 2023 Bears the worst team in the last decade?
0: I don't, I'm going to say this. I don't have an objective answer right now because I'd actually have to go back and like look statistically at everyone else before I answer this. But what I will say is from the eye test, yes, like from purely top. I'm trying not to be too funny and just I'm just trying to get objective. But man, it's like this. It's like, how could you not make jokes? Because. I'll make jokes about us. Oh, look at this. Look at the clown here because fucking jokes aside, bro. I was gassing this team coming into the year. Yeah. And again, like I said, the Bears love making me look like a jackass. They do. And the funniest part is if you know me in real life, you know, I've been very, I will like behind the scenes call out how terrible the structure of this organization is and has been and all these things. You know, when it's showtime and I wanted them to turn things around for the city and I want everyone to not be so sort of gosh darn depressed about this team. I try to hype them up. You know what they make me do? They make me look like a jackass every time. So I think what I've decided for the future is I'm never gassing this team up until they show me any type of structure. So something changes in the front office. I don't fucking know what needs to change everything at the moment. I'm just going to leave the rest to uh, an avid fan of the Bears. You're not even a Bears fan. That's just I'm passionate. Like I've become passionate to see any type of growth in this team because I live here and it's like they just they like seeing the city depressed. It's the conclusion.
1: It's the conclusion I've come to recently, bro. It's. It's like, here's my thing. It's like, I'm going to go on the Chiefs first because, like, there's really not much to say. The Chiefs defense has been good. They destroyed the Bears. They only allowed the Bears to compete when their backups were in. Like, that's the only time the Bears actually had any type of chance of, like, being okay. With Kelsey in the offense, the weight seems to be lifted off those young receivers. Rice is making nice strides. So is Sky Moore. And if you see these wide receivers develop, like, and the defense continue to be good. Like the Chiefs, Super Bowl contenders, Super Bowl winners, like you can put them in there. Barring any injury in homes. Now to the Bears, because there's really, like I said, not much to say about the Chiefs. They allowed 456 yards on defense. And their secondary headache. was supposed to be the bright spot. It's insanely thin and injured. They just claimed another guy today off a practice squad. They didn't register a single sack. They're tied for 31st with one sack through three weeks. This is the worst defense in the league besides the Giants. You can tell the players were not energized or not coached to compete. The Chiefs were 10 for 14 on third down. And so far, they are allowing a 60% conversion rate on third down. 60%. Think about that. 60%. The offense couldn't do anything. Fields led the team with 47 rushing yards. He only had 99 through the air. The team barely got over 200 yards of offense. The wide receivers were not getting open. They were four for 12 on third down. Fields is not the only problem, but he's part of the problem. This team had so many issues that need to be addressed. And this year is cooked. And, and the thing is, like, how it's do you fried. It's Yeah, no, it's fried. Like, realistically, like, I've been thinking about this. Like, how do you go about it? Okay. The Bears have never fired a coach midseason. Okay. You have. You can fire a coach midseason but your DC is already gone. So then you have a, like a second year play caller who would assume responsibility if you don't fire him. But the issue is you have a young talent. You still have to develop, but these guys aren't developing under their current coaches. But if you fire them, they're definitely not getting developed. So it's like, what do you do? And it's just like this team at the end of the day, I think needs to just fire all the coaches Get what they can for Justin Fields and just start over. If you got to move on from the GM, so you have a new GM, new coach, new quarterback, all in the same year, then do it. But this is not it. It is so bad. It is so horrible to watch. And I, I just don't know what you do. Okay,
0: so again, like, and this was the point I wanted to bring up because I said before the show is someone to talk about with the Bears. And I almost forgot, but it's perfect timing, especially because it's on the show now. Uh, I think the biggest problem with the Bears is when you it's like the again, the scheme that also we talk about the defense, like the scheme they're trying to run. Yeah. Like a lot of the, the Tampa two, a lot of the, you know, cover two. like they don't have anybody to just dominate the middle of the line of scrimmage on defense. They don't have that. And then number two, you have two man corners playing soft zones. Like what's the like Tyreek Stevenson and Jalen Johnson. Yeah, you got two press man guys what are we doing? What the fuck are we doing? Well, and that's the thing is like the we, guys- I mean the
1: city of Chicago at this point. Cause I don't even associate with this nonsense, but what is Chicago doing? Dobbs, I'm going to let you keep going. But the thing is like they, they, they claimed a guy off the practice squad. Who's like six, four, a big guy. And it, and then Brad Spielberger made the point. He's like, okay, now they're just going to misuse him and play him in soft zone. Like he's a he's, a, he's a man corner. No, it, it, there is uh and that's just, they, they, the way
0: that we touched from a whole other, uh, talking about schematical things more we on the subject. We were talking about earlier this week about how minimal they blitz, how minimal they create pressure. They, their scheme sucks. Like, Dude, I'm not so like, bad. it's, oh, it's not even, it's one of them things where you look at a, there's always a situation where you can circle where you're like, they're so fucking bad that they're like basically not even playing in an NFL level. Like they're like below the competition level at the moment. Yeah, that's everything about the Bears right now. And especially the Bears defense. Like they're like a whole other entity playing in the NFL with how poorly everything is structured. It's disgusting. You can see the disgust, the the disgust. What is it? You just see the disgust on our faces. Oh, it's You don't it, have to pluralize it. There's just disgust in this fucking room at the moment with the Bears.
1: It's just like I'm so over them. And it's like I, I so badly want this NFL season to be over because it's just like there there's zero hope for the Bears. And like it's only going to like here's the thing. You think this is bad? it will always get worse. Like there is always a worse version of what you're seeing. And, it, and it's going to happen with the bears this year. They don't get better. The E's going to lose the locker room when they're zero and seven.
0: Oh, that's the locker rooms already. Like, let's be real. This, I think it's lost,
1: lost, but, and
0: I, let's just, let's just move on before it gets more depressing. The bears have so much they need to fucking figure out. And, and, and that's, again, it's going to take more than just this year. They have to uh, completely like, I don't know what the word here, like reflip the damn Hourglass and have it like they need to restart the whole process because it's like
1: yeah no moving in to New Orleans at Green Bay will oh, Alvin Camara- yeah will Alvin Kamara revive the Saints running game? Here's my honest answer for you, and again from a Saints fan here, um, honest answer,
0: uh no, because at the moment every Saints fan knows the issue with the run game is not even the running backs. uh the issue with the run game is our offensive line. Yeah, and what's going on? I'm not trying to I'm I'm thinking how I want to approach this because I don't want to just be insulting towards the squad of of, of our line because I do believe that they're a very talented unit. That's what makes this, what's going on, so weird. Is uh as a Saints fan, you know, the bread and butter of the squad has always been in the last 10, 15 years, the O-line, very dominant trenches. Even at worst come to worst, you're gonna be able to see the team run the ball, right? Like we're gonna be able to move the ball, run the ball. That's just, what should look easy is gonna look easy. It has not been the case. I'll even say kind of started to see this just trend happening last year but then it really started to come to fruition this year where the O line is just kind of falling off the rails Ramchek looks like a i don't want to see shelves for self because i do believe he can return to his former self uh and moreover i'll switch over to my main point here is i do believe a lot of this is happening because and i'm gonna hop on the train uh right when we hired doug marone to be our offensive line coach it's right when all this Regression started happening. Yeah, and mind you, the run blocking is not the issue. The run blocking is—it's an issue. Again, I'm saying—I know I'm saying like it's all the issue. I'm not, let me be clear. It is an issue. It's not the whole issue. The whole issue in a whole is the fact that the pass blocking too is completely regressed. Because you know, there's always been issues here and there with whatever else. But the pass blocking around here was always, and especially these guys have been really good over the past couple of years. Eric McCoy, Ramchek, very good pass blockers. This year, we can't pass block for shit. The unit looks terrible. Just being honest, I, I went from trying to be just very objective, and yeah, honest, yeah. and now I'm just being just completely honest. It it sucks right now. The Saints fans know. The Saints themselves, they know deep down, this is not this is not it. O line has got to step it up. Yeah, and yeah, I don't think as much as I wish Kamara's going to help out in the past game because I do believe he'll be able to help out with you know Dumb getting boss. things open in the flat. Yeah, he'll he'll provide an element no matter what in screen game. I just and it's not his fault, but in the run game, it comes down to our line guys stepping up.
1: Yeah, no, I. That's my thing is like, I didn't really think I didn't really think the Saints offense looked that great, even though they're leading most of the game. And especially after Carr got injured, it was just kind of like, damn, I thought they had the Packers. I really did. And they, they didn't get the run game going. The passing game was pedestrian. Like the bright side is like you see Olave is that guy. That's the one. And Shahid, I guess. Shahid Shahid made a great play. And Thomas looks good again, too. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, you know Thomas should be good and everything. Like, the Saints defense, like, I would hope they would have generated, like, a little bit more pressure. the, the, The corners looked fine. Like, because, like, my thing is, like, the Packers already had two backup linemen in. So, like, why, like, why they didn't, like, they did a really good job limiting the run, but, like, I, we don't know how that would have been if Aaron Jones was in. Like we know AJ Dillon has not been that great lately, but getting that interception um, was good, but missing the Packers are also missing their top. So it might, I'm just rambling, but at the end of the day, like I think the saints are the more talented roster, but it was very frustrating, not seeing them not capitalize on a team that's down and obviously not as like, good as you and not This is not to discredit the Packers I think the Packers are a fine team but it's just like you got to capitalize no, no, on those moments. that's the thing is let me be clear this no that's what makes it so
0: frustrating because you'll agree this this was this, this let me let me let me kind of like this is what makes it so frustrating from my perspective and uh it falls back to one man which trust me in a minute but the problem is that if their car didn't get injured I know like you can you can always play like the oh this didn't and I know it's 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 a stupid game to play we're gonna play it for a second the whole like if you didn't get injured we would have won that game right but here's my yeah. thing OK, and what happens is when Derek Carr gets injured, this is the problem with the Saints right now is there's been a this has been a thing since he's come and I'm, I'm giving him credit. Dennis Allen does look a lot better this year. He This is not the guy that falls on. It's going to I'm going to say this in a second. But whatever, there's a problem where under Dennis Allen's leadership, whenever kind of like some something happens in the game or some injury will happen that kind of like, you know, you got to buckle down and like really regroup and like, you know, just move on. It seems like we can never do that the day of. It's always like the Saints are very like. They they sway emotionally. Like if something if something's going very if things are going well and everything's how it's supposed to be, things are playing really well. But if it's not, and someone gets injured or something doesn't go the way it's supposed to go, that game plan, it's kind of like the wheels just fall off. And here's what I think it comes down to too. I guess I said the man it comes down to. Pete Carmichael has been capped out this year. Oh man, he's been capped out. Yeah, because I don't understand. This is my thing too, and I'll shut up after this. But I don't understand how we went from running the ball effectively getting the clock chewed with Derek Carr out there. So like, oh, Derek's injured. Let's just basically go like air raid with Jameis. It makes no sense. We were throwing the ball more Jameis out there who has been getting no reps. With the starters, what are we doing? Like, P Carmichael, man, if you can hear this somehow, bro. Dude, please, please start throwing more screens. Please start being more, I want to see a more like, a more balanced game plan. We're either throwing a lot or
1: running a lot. And it's like, can we just do them in tangent like we have been at our best? That's, I'm going to shut up and leave it at that. So yeah, I'll leave on the Saints on that. But going into Green Bay, the Saints, even though they led most of the game, like Green Bay, I think did a really good job like creating pressure on the Saints. They got four sacks and they held you guys to 252 yards. So they also did great on third down. Y'all were only four for 14 on third. And it's like, I feel like the third down conversions are so big in the games. Like if you don't convert on third downs, like obviously you're going to give up the ball. But it's like if your percentage is low, it's just like that's how the game's going to go. Love kind of showed up late, um, but you could still see that like he has a couple passes every game where he just like he'll sail him like he, like the guy will be wide open. He'll sail him and you'd hope like that he gets it figured out, but he was only 50 percent. On his completion percentage today. Um, and you know, obviously he's getting more pressure because of the left tackle and left guard being out, but still, I feel like you got to be better. Um, the run game was not good. Uh, you can tell they're, you can tell very clearly they're missing their starters. And, you know, they played as a team late and they got the clutch win. It was a gritty win for a young Packers team. And I think that's really good for them going forward. Um, but overall, like, good on offense and defense. Like, it wasn't a very high-scoring game. Like, it was a team game that they eventually came out with the win in the end. So, that's what I had to say on the Packers.
0: No, I'm just, I'm just going to you know, touch off that real quick, and then we'll move on. But, yeah, no. My thing is, again, Jordan Love, I'm going to keep riding the victory lap, because, yes, missed some throws, played. But, again, very tough defense. Very tough situation with missing a lot of your receivers your O-line. Yeah. He did what he got to do, and... I'm big on when you show it when it matters most. Yep, he showed up when yep. it mattered most, and he looked so confident. Yeah, he, he loved to seat. If you're a Packers fan, you definitely do. Yep, salty moment for the Saints, but uh, you know, uh, we'll take it because it, it boosted my own narrative. You <laughs>
1: guess so we'll we'll take it with the we'll take the good with the bad. New England at New York Jets is Robert Sala on the hot seat. Well, again, we certainly did
0: not think so, right? Like if you guys said again, it was one of those kind of things we'd laugh about coming into the season, like oh, Robert Sala on the hot seat. How could this happen? Well. The only situation, basically, where it would have allowed for this to happen, has happened. A Rod not playing, hurt, and now Zach Wilson's getting all the reps and losing the locker room. And it's exactly what's happened. Again, I don't know. If, a lot of people may not be in the loop all the way on this yet, but apparently, again, I don't know. I cannot confirm any of this for truth, but apparently, allegedly, you know how this goes. But he's losing the locker room because he's really riding high on the belief in Zach. And as you can tell, obviously, with everyone else on this roster, as has been the narrative forever now. They, this was. This has been. They don't believe in Zach. The roster themselves does not believe in Zach. There is a, a huge teams that should be connected like this. They have no connection. They don't believe mm-hmm. that there's no belief as a unit in the quarterback. Um, So we're at a uh, crossroads here. And the Sal is either going to make the right decision. And obviously he has a good relationship with Zach, but he's going to have to push away from that and kind of get rigid on the stance of like, we need to do something immediately. I need to have a backup plan. And if he doesn't, I do think he'll probably find himself looking for and being hired. Obviously, he's a good guy. He knows football, but looking for a new job somewhere else after the season, because uh, we talk about it as a whole, the Jets and again, Let me be clear. This is tough because it also very much hinges on how the A-Rod situation goes. A-Rod believes in him very much, right? That's what makes this tough is it's like, OK, is is, is A-Rod all the way on in him? And that's where I'm sure the decision would have much to come down with how A-Rod feels about the situation, too. But. I do know that that's the situation right now is that he apparently is losing the locker room and I just can roll with what I know. Yeah,
1: I, uh, to be honest, like this offense is like abysmal without Aaron Rodgers and like the O-line wasn't doing them any favors, but like their skill position was so talented. And like you see Garrett Wilson suffering, you see Brees Hall suffering. The Jets backfield had 38 yards. Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall should not have 38 yards. Total offense, 171. The O-line has to be better. They're two for 14 on third down. I don't necessarily think Robert Sala is on the hot seat, but at the same time, like, here, here's my thing, and my dad brought this up to me, and it was a very good point that I didn't think about. Why did nobody plan if Aaron Rodgers went down? Why did they not have a vet in that locker room that said, what if Aaron Rodgers goes down? Because we know what the Zach Wilson Jets are. Why did they not go, even, even if you're trading a fifth-round pick for a vet quarterback, why the fuck are you not doing it? Now this is what you get. Their defense, which was supposed to be the, the bright side of their team, they give up 358 yards to a very mid-Patriots offense. They got zero sacks and zero turnovers. They only allowed 15 points. But I feel like you have to generate a turnover. You know what this offense is. They're stout in the red zone, but
0: they've been bending. To the red zone. And again, the point is see, that necessarily does not work forever. Every single week, you can't count on bending. To, uh, we never let, you know, we're not going to yeah, let yeah. them in. Yeah, bend or break. Yeah, you can't count
1: on that every single week being a perfect, perfectly no. executed. So the Jets are screwed as long as they have Zach Wilson as their quarterback. It's going to be the same as last year. Trevor Simeon is not their savior. Oh, let me tell you from a
0: uh, personal perspective. He absolutely is not the savior. And, not that he can't do some things, but he certainly is not the savior of a team. I'm literally telling you. Perspective of a team that kind
1: of tried the same thing i don't know all right let's talk mid the patriots offense they're okay the running game had a nice day zeke had a nice day but again and again like you see that they are lacking that true star in offense and in games where there's great teams they're going to struggle to put up points they had 358 yards of offense but half the points came for field goals so it's like you have all these yards and you're not scoring so it's like i understand the the Jets defense is good and like the bend don't break, but it's like, I don't know against another team. You're against another team with a competent offense. You're losing the defense. Great job generating pressure. The general, uh, but I would have, they needed to, in my opinion, to make this game a little bit more like in out of reach, they needed to generate a turnover, which they didn't do. I've said this ever all year. They're a solid team. The offense is average. The defense will keep them in games. But unless the star emerges, the Patriots are just a middle of the road team.
0: They're they're literally perfect candidates to fit into that territory of just, yeah, like, you, like, and they're kind of like we said about certain teams now where they're going to just be very into that, not getting a high enough draft pick to like completely turn everything around. But you're also not going to like be terrible. So it's like a very weird territory to be in. um, You know, and I also feel it's like a weird point how I feel about Mac Jones. Because he shows you some good, and he shows you some bad, and he just doesn't show you enough. Yeah, it's like yeah. A, it's kind of like a weird thing. Also, he's played with some good defenses. It's like, I guess I kind of still have to wait to form a full opinion on Meg Jones this year, but there's definitely going to be a much more fully formed opinion by the end of the year. Um, I'll say, give him credit where it's due for a second. You know, ever since I said the Patriots run game was quote-unquote, eh, literally, I yeah. called it, just I didn't have a word for it. I said it was garbage, basically. You know, definitely turned it around a lot, starting to really actually produce on the ground. Not anything crazy, not anything world-beating, but enough to, uh, you know, get the job done. Against a good defense. So I'd say, yeah,
1: but the Patriots are still a middle of the road team. The Jets are on an absolute spiral. And that's really all you
0: can take away from this game at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Pittsburgh at Las Vegas. When will Devonte Adams be traded? Man, when do you, you know what? Say week seven. I just feel like it has to happen, man. Like with what's going on with Josh Jacobs, he's looking like he's not going to be signed for very much next year. Devonte doesn't want to keep losing. It's been a common theme. And I believe if the Raiders aren't 500, that he's probably just going to request a trade because Jimmy G throwing three interceptions when he came here to play with Carr, it's just like this offense has talent, but it needs help from the line. It needs help from the quarterback play. I don't know if they believe in McDaniels. The Steelers' offensive line is below average as well. And the Raiders only came away with one sack. Like, come on, like you have to do more. I know it's Max Crosby, like you have Tyree Wilson. He's doing nothing like they're graded nothing. in the bottom 20 in like almost all defensive metrics on PFF besides tackling. So the, it's hard to find bright spots on the Raiders. Like other than like the obvious answers, like there's no good, like bright spots that you can really look to. And I feel like if they don't perform, Devontae tries to get out of here. And I don't really know what happens to McDaniels. Well, yeah, so I'll start with McDaniels because then again, I don't, I wish I did. I should have wrote,
0: wrote you know, I should have just written this down, but I remember I heard something about how something with McDaniels right now and the locker room again, that's I wish I had more to say on it. I That was I was something to the effect, though, of something with maybe him starting to starting to lose the locker room. Yeah. Right? And uh, yeah, you and me saw this coming from day one of the hire. I mean, this has kind of been the, uh, well, it's the Josh Daniels MO, you know, it kind of uh, it, it unfortunately has been very rigid guy and when the results aren't there and you're a very rigid person what starts to happen is is there's a disconnect that grows right it's just simple that's just simple human psychology and that's exactly what i feel like is probably already starting to occur with the raiders and uh yeah and also with uh Devante. i mean we when you play like his he did 13 receptions 172 yards two touchdowns you're averaging 13.2 yards a catch and the team's still losing you have to play perfect to even keep the team in the game right now the team is still not good I'd say, yeah, if you're looking for a bright spot on the team, if you're a Raiders fan, it's Max Crosby. Um, other than that, you know, there's obviously more. But it's like the Raiders, uh, it's 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 tough. And this was, again, I think when you looked at it objectively, though, you did see that the Raiders might have a really tough year in coming if things didn't go perfectly. And that's kind of the trajectory we're on to now.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, it's like, but I'm, I'll move on to Steelers for a second. Yeah, yeah. On to the Steelers side of things. You know. From the way that things started off in the year, I think every Steelers fan would say, okay, you know, it's kind of like a sigh of relief. Like, you know, yeah, Kenny P's maybe not showing you all the, you know, the biggest jump you wanted to see. But on the other hand, he's shown you that, hey, look, I'm going to bounce back. I'm at least going to hang in there. I'll keep us, you know, I'm going to manage the games. And I, you, know, you want to see more, but I think what you'd like to see if you're Steelers fan is that he's improved, I'd say, at each game so far. And if you can keep that trend up, it's a good trend to keep up. and We'll see how far he can push it. Steelers run game, though definitely still pretty pedestrian. I think someone to touch on is I saw that Matt Canada is now working directly with Kenny P week to week. And, you know, when you first hear that, you're probably like, well, what? Like, doesn't he work with him every week? You know, certain NFL teams there and you know, everyone does everything differently. Sometimes yeah. you know, the way he works is obviously with obviously was much more behind getting the schematics, getting drawing things up. He was not. It was more QB coach. Obviously, if all QB coach, how he was working with Kenny P at practice. Well, now Matt Canada is going to be directly with Matt Matt's being with Matt. You know what I'm saying? Matt's going to be with Kenny P every single day at practice a couple times a week. If not, if not every day, I can't say, but at least a couple times a week, they're getting together, actually talking one on one. I think that that'll help out a lot. I think we're going to see the offense start to look a lot more. Um, I was, What's the word I'm looking for here? I don't know. Just uh, stable. Just mm-hmm. a stable. Hopefully st- st- you'll see what, what they're trying to do every week a little bit more. Um, and the Steelers defense, you just, if you're that, that's the, that's the strength of this team. The Steelers defense is still absolutely fantastic. Keanu Benton has just absolutely come out. And, uh, let me just say it like this. He was the second round D lineman, uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, everyone else, I'm like, it's like they, everyone passed on Keanu Benton and Keanu Benton was definitely first round talent. Um, TJ Watt came back and is just playing absolutely
1: ballistic. Monster. monster. This D line is fantastic. I yeah, so that was my main thing. Is like the defense is obviously the strong point of this team and was all over the Raiders. Uh they generated four sacks, they got three interceptions, but until this offense finds its groove, like they're going to have to win them games. The running game wasn't like horrible, but Najee and Warren both were kind of inefficient, 3.4 and 3.6 yards per carry. Not bad, but like not uh, not good by any means. The offense it was balanced. The run of the pass, nothing really shined, though, besides like George Pickens and like Calvin Austin, I think has been pretty OK this year, like pretty good. Um, Pickett just kind of like we were saying, like kind of is what it is like until he makes that jump like we don't know. Um, I think the Steelers, it's funny because they have, I think they have one of the most like solid rosters in the NFL, but it's just like, don't they just feel like they're underperforming like a tick or two? Like they really should be a little bit better, in my opinion.
0: No, yeah, they've been sneaking again, yeah, sneaking away with the wins, and then now, absolutely, like, and then we saw, like we said, the play calling is a lot of the problem, though. Right. No, and well, that's the thing is, and that's why I brought up the thing with Matt Canada. I think we had give that time to marinate, let it marinate a little bit, see if that helps out, and if if that doesn't help though, and we don't see an improvement,
1: oh, Matt Canada's got to go. I feel like you have to fire Matt Canada. All right. Tennessee at Cleveland is the Browns' defense the best in the league. Man, man, man. I'm I'm not willing to say the best yet, but I'm certainly willing to say top three.
0: They're definitely a top three defense in the league right now. They're they're just they're disgusting. Uh not only did both DBs make a huge bounce back this year, the starters, you know, Newsom and Ward absolutely locking down. Yeah. Uh the D line is just, man, the D line is top notch. That's about as good of a D line as you could build in the league. They've done it. Uh now they just need to stay healthy again. We're big on the we're big on staying healthy, you know, as everyone is. You got to just stay healthy, but this Browns defense and this Browns team as a whole. As I've been saying, they're they're built to go the distance. Whatever you want to take the distance at. They're built to go the distance, man.
1: Yeah. I think mean, I love their defense. I'm willing to say they're the best. Um they only allowed 94 total yards. 94 total yards. They held Derrick Henry to 20 yards. They got five sacks. Now, it's the Titans offense. Like it's not anything crazy, but holding anybody under 100 yards is impressive. Um, I think Amari Cooper finally had that day that we were been waiting for Deshaun, likely his best game so far this year. Even but not- with that crazy, crazy behind the line throw. That was beyond stupid. He did bounce back pretty good from that. That was a Josh Allen type move.
0: Um, I don't even but- know Josh has worse. They might do that one, but
1: no. Yeah. You remember the first day, the first year when they went to the playoffs? I know exactly. Yeah, I yeah. literally
0: just started thinking about that exact play.
1: Yeah. So, uh, and that's a bigger moment. So I would say that was worse. Yeah. Um, They did struggle in the run game. They did 78 yards on 31 attempts, which is not a good sign. If it's anybody else that they're playing, I don't know if they win this game. I just think like they shut down their offense so well. Um, Here's what I will say. The Browns dominated time possession, 38 minutes and 29 seconds, almost double what the Titans had. They had 21 minutes, something like that. If the Browns offense can be top 15 and the defense plays like it is, like top three, top two, top one, the Browns, needlessly will to say like, we'll make a deep run as long as they can figure out like the run game without Chubb. And I think Jerome Ford is perfectly doable. They have Kareem hunt, like who knows the system. So they'll be fine quickly on Tennessee. Yes. They played the best defensive football in my opinion, but the O line is going to be a problem all year. The Tannehill is so predicated on playing the pay, play action. And if they can't get the running game, there's no play action. And then you have D hop and, Traylon Burks, but if you can't get 10 to help going, like he's already not played very well and without a run game, like you're setting him up for failure. Like they are tied for third for the least amount of points scored. Um, Their defense is kind of middle of the road. I don't think it's strong enough to carry their offense. And they only generated three stacks, which isn't bad, but they only did one turnover. And like this offense is so bad, like you need to do more than that. They're going to struggle all year if they don't get a run game, and like it makes me question like how quickly we're going to see Will Levis because in the AFC it's like if you don't if you're not like a top dog like you're not making the playoffs. So I don't know. No, yeah, I would say
0: so. I had what was the thing I was going to say, and then I had something I was going to say, and then I lost it.
1: And then (laughs) give me give me a second. What (sighs) I don't know. I was talking about the run game being horrible and Tannehill on play action
0: what was it bro i'm gonna be mad if i don't remember i'm gonna be mad at myself if i don't remember yeah you know what i'm not gonna remember but like you said i'm just gonna leave my final thoughts in this game what i'll leave it at is yeah like we said before the year this is uh it's worst case scenario for the titans in terms of like we knew that they were very likely be a queue for the rebuild all the way and like yeah no you definitely have got to like push that button like you got to find the new qb if yeah. it's not levis it could be levis
1: whatever the case is you got to figure out if it is levis yeah absolutely so new york giants at san francisco Will the New York Giants finish with a top five pick in the draft this year?
0: It's just so tough because there are a lot. There's some teams that are like, I think I'm going to be petted there. But like, you know what? I'll say right now. Yes. Like, yeah, I'm locking it in at the moment. The way they're playing. I mean, if you take out the Cardinals, miraculous comeback, which is also just from the Cardinals completely shitting the bed. Yeah. Completely taking the foot off the gas. It's like the Giants are a bad team right now. They're bad. Oh, objectively, they're really bad. And the bad is really bad. They're struggling so much on offense. The defense is not really doing anything. They're in a very tough situation to be in. Again, back to the whole thing with the defense, too. They're pressuring every single snap, and they're not getting sacks. Like, the whole no. scheme, the defense is completely regressed. Um, Probably in thanks to Wake Martindale. But, you know, wink. man's got a ring regardless. But this year, uh that's he's not bringing the uh, he's not bringing the heat this year. Um, and yeah. And then on the other hand of things, it's like the Niners are rocking and rolling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When Brock Purdy does even anything of substance that day, they're going to be tough to beat. And whenever whoever the starting quarterback is, they do some of substance. You know, the defense is going to show up. We you know the run game is going to show up. That has been the Niners for a while now. And it very likely he's not going to change. So, yeah, the Niners are going to be a tough point every week. If they can just chew the clock on you, Brock Purdy does his thing. Again, I'll reiterate, they're very likely to win the game this season because of how well his team is built. Javon Hargrave is going ballistic in the trenches. Best year of his career so far. I thought it would have been last year, but no, Javon Hargrave looks like he said, I'm coming over here, and I'm going to actually improve my career on the new yeah. contract. If you're a Niners fan, you love to see it. The D-line is going ballistic. Armstead is going ballistic. This team is complete, and... uh as we know,
1: they're definitely competing for the Bulls. So I don't even have anything else to say on other than that. i will toss it over to you, bro. Yeah. So, I mean, the defense, the San Francisco defense shut down New York. I mean, they have an elite unit. They only generated two sacks, which I would like to see another one. They forced interception. They played lights out. Really, that's it. Um, you know, Purdy put the ball in harm's in harm's way a couple times early on. And I really feel like if those were the, messed up, they were bad passes. And he, I feel like he always has a couple of those each game. And it's like. My thing is, I feel like the defense never capitalizes on them. Like, if the Giants wanted any chance, they had to capitalize on those. Um, They got on track, though, and, like, Debo and CMC were monsters. There's no stopping them. As long as the 49ers keep playing like this, Super Bowl contenders easily, NFC Championship lock almost. Um, The Giants, it's like Daniel Jones is running for his life the whole game. The O-line's abysmal, and I get you're playing an elite unit, but there's not a pulse on offense. Without Saquon, like their run game they had 29 yards they couldn't do much in the past game jones had no time brutal defense failed to capitalize on the poor balls that were thrown early in the game they at least gave them a chance or some type of energy there was no stopping the 49ers once they got on track they put up 441 yards of total offense and they just had no chance of keeping up with the san francisco wide receivers they're in a weird spot where it's like they lack true play like they lack true playmakers. Darren Wallers kind of not showing up as much. Saquon's injured. The offensive line is bad. I don't understand how you expect DJ Dar- uh, Daniel Jones to make plays, and it's like you just gave him that contract. So it's like everything that they did is not looking good in retrospect. No, absolutely not. And also, just last thing on this, but uh, I can't believe I
0: didn't say this right away. Yeah. But you know, if the game plan is to uh, run the ball with the running backs eight times. And toss the ball thirty-two times. Can we say Dable? You know the narratives become like Dable's this genius. It's like, well, uh, this certainly was it's his not most genius anti-genius activity, game yeah. plan. Um, and you can't be doing that to your team there, especially when you're so outclassed. I get it. Running the ball is going to be tough. Well, yeah. not stupid. But I also understand that you got to give your defense time to recoup. You got to just take you. You're not going to have a ton of possessions. You're going to score on. You got to make the most of the ones you got to make those ones bleed. And they just, yeah, absolutely not what was going on. So then again, like you said, not a pulse
1: on offense. Moving into Philadelphia at Tampa Bay. Can the Eagles break the single season rushing record? It was set in 2019 by the Baltimore Ravens with 3,296 yards. Currently, the Ravens have five or currently the Eagles have 557 rushing yards. They would need to improve a little bit uh, from a per game basis on yards, but it is definitely possible.
0: Oh, dude, but the way they're playing right now also, I mean, absolutely. I think it kind of, but that's and I think what I want to say, like kind of like the X factor of maybe why it wouldn't happen is because I guess you could say not that Jalen Hurts is by any means struggling throwing the ball right now, but Maybe not as explosive out the gates as you would have, you know, expected, especially if you were an Eagles fan. So I think what I'm trying to say is when he gets it going more and gets into more of a rhythm, maybe they won't have to run as much as they have them. But then also, on the other hand, this team clearly is built on the identity of running and chewing the clock. So, again, I'm just leaving it away. You said it is certainly it's certainly their own possibility.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Eagles can run the ball whenever they want. There's no stopping them. And like. The offense this week seemed more fluid. It seemed like the play caller is more in rhythm. AJ Brown had a big day. Jalen Hurts had two interceptions, but one kind of looked like a miscommunication. The other one was just a great play by the Bucks defender. Um, basically, that, that tush push is unstoppable. Like, they're going to ban it. I know we keep saying it, but it's it just like there's no stopping it. The Unless def- you're another team. But yeah. the way
0: they run it with Kelsey, it's like, man.
1: No, the defense played great. Um, they didn't allow the Tampa Bay playmakers to get into rhythm they didn't let Baker get comfortable. They shut him down. The run game was exposed and the Bucs are kind of like shown truly who they are. You know, if the Eagles really get in the rhythm, they're going to be just like last year and uh, be a fucking nightmare for whoever has to play them. Um, I think where we would kill the Bucs is like Mike Evans had some key drops and like as your team's playmaker, you really can't have that, especially against an elite team like the Eagles. Um, the run game didn't exist. It's not like it's anything crazy regularly, but it was, sh- you know, they're going to struggle against elite defensive units. Um, the defense got gashed for 201 rushing yards. The Eagles they have no reason to stop running the ball anytime. And that's going to, you're going to dominate time of possession. You're going to own the game like that. So it's just like the Eagles playmakers are just better because of like the offensive line and the quarterback that it's just like the defense, you know, they made some good plays on the ball, but the offense like didn't capitalize on that, which is frustrating. So the Bucks team isn't bad. They're going to be in every team. They're going to be in every game where they play a team that is like a little bit better, a little bit worse or on par with them. But like first, like good units like this, it's going to show who they truly are. No, I think you're very spot on about the Bucks, And um,
0: I'll go back to the Eagles first, just because real quick, the thing I want to say about the Eagles is if you're Eagles fan, you got to love seeing AJ Brown get the bounce back week, Big bounce back week right yeah. after he was complaining, you know, <laughs> seeing things are in order around there, you know, seeing, hey, look, we're going to get our boy the ball. We're going to make sure he feels welcome, you know, even though he should already know that. But I guess it was definitely a, you know, thing of emphasis this week. got to love to see it. Um, the Eagles D line is just ferocious. Filky. And the combination of Jordan Davis and uh, Jalen Carter is uh, the fact that everyone else in the league had let this happen. I have I have no uh, dialogue about it. I just uh, it's uh, sickening. For everyone else except the Eagles fans, you yeah. guys need to appreciate it, man, because this is just fucked up from everyone else's perspective <sighs> that they, uh, that, well, how did how, how did this happen? Why
1: did the Bears pass? How did everyone, dude.
0: Anyways, back to reality here, because the reality is that the Eagles have him and uh, no one else does. Yeah. The Eagles D-line is just so full of just, so full of just good rotational guys, good starters. It's just, they're loaded, man. They're loaded. Like you said, all they have to do is literally not turn the ball over a bunch of times every week. Even if they're struggling to throw the ball the way they run the ball, the way they're gonna, they're gonna, they have a chance to win any game they play in. They very much, as far as we expect, are gonna make another big playoff run. That's the Eagles, man. And over to the buck side of things, it's like reality situation with Baker is yeah, like you said, you know, he was playing solid this year, but against a real good defense. Again, back to uh, you know, not not anything explosive. I do agree with what you said though. Mike Evans was selling this game. Mike Evans has got to do a little bit better. He and, picked it up at the end, but he did, he did. Yeah, it actually had one crazy catch I do remember. That was nuts. That was a nuts catch. But besides that, yeah, maybe a more quiet week. But also, it can't all be on his shoulders. I think if you're a Bucks fan, you definitely want to see Chris Godwin, you know, be a little more making a little more noise. Kate Otten making more noise. Yeah. Tough week for Rashad White too. He's been having a good season. But Kate Otten dropped
1: a ball that really should have been caught.
0: No, that's what I'm saying. It's like you want you definitely want to see more from the young guys. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, the Bucks are. They're, they're in that frisky category. Yeah. What you said, spot on low blow, low above, a little below. I think it's, it's anyone's game, but when they're outclassed, they're going to get outclassed for real.
1: Moving into Los Angeles Rams at Cincinnati Bengals. When will Joe Burrow return to MVP form?
0: It's a tough question. I think I'm just going to leave my answer directly at when he's actually out here healthy again. Cause I think it's pretty obvious he's not all the way healthy and, um, you know, and it sucks when you witness that from an from a perspective as the fan is. I've had years like that before too, where you're like, "What is going on?" And I'm not saying that necessarily at the quarterback, but you're watching your guy, and you're like, "I know that he's not right. He can't be right, but he's still out here." So it's it's like an illusion. It's confusing you. But if you're a Bengals fan, you got to have have the faith. He's out there because he he feels like he has to be to help this team stay competitive this this year. But I think we'll see him return to his old form. It's definitely not what you want to see right now if you're a Bengals fan. I know that stadium was getting crazy. They were getting a little, you know, getting a little antsy booing the team. But don't trip Bengals fans. I think, again, they're they're turning the switch in the right direction. It's just a matter of time, I
1: guess. And him not re-aggravating it to a critical extent. Yeah. Which is the X factor. I, I agree. I think it's a big thing also that Jamar Chase bounced back. Because then I think, like, that starts to get that offense kind of in its rhythm. And I think they kind of gotten their rhythm later in the game. So as long as Burrow, you know, gets, becomes healthy, doesn't, mess up mess up his calf again like i think they can get back to that you know kind of mvp caliber form um the defense did a great job putting a stop to like puka um i think they really sold out to stop um him even though he went for 72 yards but he didn't like explode on him like the rest of the time and they started the run game and you know it kind of left the rams to like throw the ball to all the players not named puka so it's like two two or higby and it's like they're not going to make the plays like Puka was. So it's like, I feel like this game would have been different if Cooper cup was in it, because then you have to worry about Cooper cup and Puka, but getting the two interceptions is what won the game, in my opinion, to me and their offense wasn't able to generate many points. So like that's giving them the extra opportunities to get those points. So Cincinnati got their first win of the year. They desperately needed it. The defense showed up against a surprisingly good Rams offense. Um, just quickly on the Rams, like Matt Stafford has thrown two interceptions for the second week in a row, and it has really hurt his team's t- chances. Like he has to take care of the ball. They struggled once they took Puka out of the game and they stopped Kyrie Williams. Like the, the Rams really didn't have any answers to that. Um, so I think when cup returns, this offense is going to be a lot harder to stop. Um, the defense did a decent job containing the Bengals, even though they haven't been operating at the top um, level. Like, they're still the Bengals. Like, they still have a lot of talent. And only losing by three to this team when you look at the talent on each roster is impressive. So, overall, the Rams have been competitive. They've been in every single game. As the team matures, because it is super young, I think they can actually win games like this. Um, but I, they're they're competing for a playoff spot, in my opinion. Oh, no, 1,000%, like we said. we You know, again,
0: it's a weird situation, but I think what I want to start is... Um, with the with the Rams uh, on the Rams side of things, I think, so number one, the uh, the interception that Logan Wilson made was just crazy. I mean, that was just like yeah, fact, yeah. one of the interceptions. It was just crazy, crazy work. So I can't fault staff too much for that. Just one of them crazy plays. Um, and Kyron Williams, too, have a little bit of a drop problem. Gotta get, you know, if you want to be a Rams fan, you want to see Kyron Williams not, you know, putting the ball in danger so much. Big thing. But yeah, um, you know, Puka getting slowed down was a huge thing. And I think, yeah, when Cooper Cup comes back, man, the Rams are going to be like, Real dangerous. Yeah. Even again. This offense to an extent already is. They play The Bengals played them very well. But yeah, and uh that is what it is. But yeah, and then with the Bengals, we already I pretty much touched everything I want to say. But I guess maybe last thing is you you definitely look, you definitely want to see Joe Mixon going getting going more here. And I think the run game just as a whole, I would say I want to see you get going more if you're if you're the Bengals. But it is what it is. The team and also last thing, T. Higgins struggling. Yeah. a lot What's going on with T. Higgins? I
1: don't know. He had that one big week. He had a bad week. He had a bounce back week. Yeah, and now and it's uh, back
0: to this. Yeah, and that was a really rough week. And then also last thing I had written down too, I just wanted to touch on is look, the Rams with um with uh Byron Young, Kobe Turner, like they got two really good ones out the draft, two really good D-linemen back to back rounds. Or in the actually same round. But yeah, um, or was back to back? I don't know. I'm, I'm one or the other. Bottom line is two good D-linemen later in the draft. If you're a Rams fan, you love to see it. And then last thing, too, oh, back to the Bengals. Trey Hendrickson's just going ballistic, as yeah. he has been. So I'll leave it at that.
1: Yeah, that's my analysis of that one. Well, that has been week three recap for you. Um, thank you guys for listening to You No Ball. We'll be back next week. Thank you guys for watching. Yeah.